Investable Universe is about thematic topics in real assets investing. This is what we mean by the global market of things, real estate, infrastructure, land, energy, and other commodities that have historically been viewed as boring old income investments. But take a look at the shifts underway in these asset classes, from industry disruptors to new investors to emerging markets to geopolitics, and you'll find these assets are very interesting. We'll talk about private equity, venture capital, corporate VC, sovereign wealth funds, listed markets, crazy startups, some old guard investment firms, some maverick entrepreneurs, and some paradigm-shifting technologies. One thing is certain, no corner of the global market of things will be left untouched by the changes happening right now, and that's what we talk about on this podcast. Iceland represents a business-friendly investment environment, with companies migrating to the country due to its strong government and economic support, impressive academic network, advanced infrastructure, and robust natural energy resources. On the backdrop of the COVID-19 pandemic, Iceland's attractiveness as an investment opportunity is stronger than ever. Promote Iceland and the Consulate of Iceland in New York are hosting a virtual event designed to showcase the investment opportunities of Iceland and the business ecosystem in greater detail. As the exclusive media partner for the event, Investable Universe had the chance to talk to some of the distinguished presenters who will be speaking during the event. On today's podcast, we'll hear from Haraldo Ingi Birgesson. Haraldo is a partner at Deloitte Iceland and the firm's tax and legal leader. He joined Deloitte in early 2014 from the Iceland Chamber of Commerce, where he served as Deputy Managing Director and General Counsel. Haraldo has wide-ranging experience within tax and legal issues in the fields of transfer pricing, investment, and international tax. In addition to his work in tax and legal, Haraldo is also the clients and industries leader at Deloitte Iceland. He's here to talk about the business and investment climate in Iceland. Haraldo, thank you for speaking with me today. Hey, thank you as well, Rebecca. Happy to be here. Great. So let's describe Iceland's business and economic environment emerging from COVID-19. So what sectors of the economy have been particularly resilient or passed the COVID stress test, so to speak? I think, I mean, obviously, looking at this uh, from an from, from a industry perspective, uh, COVID obviously had, has had a huge negative impact on tourism with a ripple effect on related mm-hmm. industries. However, we see that retail remains relatively resilient in parallel with an increase in domestic consumption that mm-hmm. seems to have weighed up the negative effects. Uh, other sectors, looking especially at the export sector, such as fisheries and our international tech companies, mm-hmm. remain strong, where the weakening of the corona has again outweighed some of the COVID effects. Mm-hmm. And again, in parallel with lower interest rates in Iceland, real estate and construction sectors are also remaining strong. So all in all, we're doing fairly well. Great. So you did mention uh, the effect on, on tech on, on tech exports in Iceland. Some investors have described COVID as, uh, as a catalyst that has accelerated certain trends that were already underway, such as digitalization in areas like education and healthcare, some disruptive technologies in fintech or even work from home trends. Uh, has this been the case in Iceland? And maybe you can go into that in greater detail. Yeah, I think we can definitely say so. Uh, one of the elements we look carefully into is uh, our CFO survey. So Iceland, mm-hmm. Deloitte Iceland, as Deloitte elsewhere, we conduct regular CFO surveys, basically trying to map up the concerns and, and the future opportunities seen by the biggest companies in Iceland. Uh, and, and in those surveys, we see more and more, let's say, trends looking at investing more into technology and technology transformation. Mm-hmm. So that's on the business side. But also if we look at the public sector, Technology and the technology transformation phase has definitely escalated and has been high on the agenda with this current government and previous governments mm-hmm. uh, with a new agency being formed called Digital Iceland, which is in fact supposed to be somewhat of an accelerator looking at innovative 
uh, trends uh, looking at techn technology. So I think it's safe to say that COVID has definitely accelerated that trend mm -hmm. and that the pace of, of this trend will remain strong even after COVID. As we've seen firsthand now, I mean, technology can increase efficiency and support new product development, but also, I mean, as we are here today, seamlessly across borders. So this is definitely something that will remain strong. Excellent. COVID-19 is not the first economic crisis to have impacted Iceland in recent memory. The country was seriously affected by the great financial crisis in 2008. Can you describe how Iceland has evolved or uh, adjusted in the years since the financial crisis? And have those changes been particularly helpful in weathering COVID? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, what we've seen, at least if we go back, the economic recovery of Iceland was, uh, in fact, much, much, much faster than we would have anticipated uh, in, in the early days of, of the, the financial crisis, especially looking at the magnitude of, of how it affected Iceland. Mm -hmm. uh, so we relatively quickly got our feet under and, 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 and started growing again. Uh, tourism was one large trend in that area supporting the economic recovery. And the other, I would say, was much more emphasis on uh, startups, scale-ups, innovation, technology, and this, we can say, international sector. Obviously, as I mentioned, tourism is suffering quite severely due to COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, in my view, I mean, this increased emphasis on the international sector, so to speak, has definitely helped us to weather the storm. And I think collectively, whether looking at new innovative technology companies or established companies, for example, within fisheries, all of them are trying to work hand in hand and, and transform how they use data and develop new products. Mm -hmm. So did, the, did the, the long shadow of the great financial crisis, if you want to call it that, change the way Iceland views or regulates foreign businesses? I would say overall, it, it hasn't changed the fundamentals of Iceland. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, it's, it's, it's obviously difficult to, to state that we have in some shape or form con political consensus in each and every area because, I mean, obviously mm -hmm. political parties arrange themselves differently on the politi political spectrum. Sure. Uh, but overall, I say, I mean, Icelanders view foreign businesses in a positive manner. Okay. And one indicator of that can obviously be seen just in the current government. We have uh, three parties in the current government, mm -hmm. ranging from left to the right on the political spectrum. And mm -hmm. they've been doing quite well when it comes to the investment in environment. And also, to quite recently, as, as an example, uh, are trying to simplify rules and regulations, as I mentioned in my address, mm -hmm. uh, in order to push competition, push innovation, lower mm -hmm. costs. So I mm -hmm. think overall... Yes, we're quite, quite view foreign investments in a quite positive manner. Excellent. So, and it's fair to say that there is a critical mass of political consensus in Iceland, even though, as you mentioned, there are three parties in the government. Some are, you know, they span a political spectrum. There's still a, a foreign company wouldn't necessarily fear that from one election to the next, they would find themselves suddenly in disfavor or on the receiving end of unfavorable regulation. No, I, I can't say that we, we see material shifts in how this mm -hmm. is. The, the investment environment is viewed between between elections. Definitely not. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So let's say I'm, I'm an American, as I am, and I have a, an amazing idea for a plant genetics startup. Should I bring this idea to Iceland? And why would Iceland want me there? I mean, the obvious question is yes. You, you okay. <laughs> let's start with the, the latter aspect. I mean, I, I think okay. 
Iceland and we are obviously a yeah. fairly small island in the middle of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. So I think we, we know quite well that we need to make the most out of our resources in parallel with, let's say, challenging or facing, mitigating the challenges of this geographical, geographical situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we, we need to look above and beyond Iceland. We need right. to attract investment and we need to participate in businesses abroad mm-hmm. to create long-term sustainable growth and obviously just opportunities for the up-and-coming generations, the talent pool in Iceland. Mm-hmm. So I think Iceland definitely wants you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the fact why you should come to Iceland, uh, I mean, you mentioned that in your intro as well. I mean, we have the we have the foundations in place, and if we if we look at just how Iceland is ranking on all key uh, indexes, whether it being business indexes or societal indexes, doing business competitiveness, uh, human development, equality, peace. I mean, we are doing very well looking at the business parameters, but we are outperforming the largest nations in the world looking at these society societal pillars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so overall, the, the framework is good. The foundations are good. Uh, and to add to that, I would say, uh, because you mentioned the plant genetic startup, mm-hmm. the, the overall tax incentive environment, so R&D tax incentives, that is a quite efficient system. So we offer those incentives in the form of tax credits in Iceland for qualified R&D projects. Mm-hmm. And the tax credits can be up to 2.8, approximately million US dollars. Mm-hmm. And if there is no tax base, that's paid out. So that's cash in hand for you in the, the early stages of, of that uh, particular company, uh, allowing you to invest in your people and your products and hopefully succeeding. So walk me through the process of bringing a company or launching a, pro- uh, a company, whether it's a a startup or a subsidiary or, or you know, perhaps a, a, a more useful example to Iceland? What is, you know, step one? What do I do? Uh, I mean, I, I, I should say you can contact me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that, will be, that will be one, one option. Great. Uh, step one is usually forming the entity in Iceland. Okay. And, and that, that's essentially a very efficient process with low minimal capital needed, uh, and, 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 and just forms and papers to submit to the company registry. Mm-hmm. Uh, step two, you would always need to do your own research or intelligence. Obviously, if you want to wanna drive a plant genetic startup, you need energy. Mm-hmm. So that's one element you need to do, look into. And we have an abundance of energy in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are various, let's say, places to go and forms to submit and processes to take. Uh, but individuals like me and, and firms like Deloitte can definitely help with that. And of course, the consulate in New York promote mm-hmm. Iceland and the foreign ministry. And we have, uh, again, an abundance of information available on all of these public institutions websites. Excellent. So you mentioned the uh, tax credits for uh, qualified R&D activity. You mentioned the uh, relatively simple regulatory process. Now, I think the impression that some people, certainly here in the U.S., have about the Scandinavian countries is that they're fascinating, high-quality-of-life locations, these almost idyllic utopian societies with cradle-to-grave social welfare, but very highly taxed, very highly regulated. Is that a simplistic view? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the short answer <laughs> is definitely yes. Um, okay. Iceland is indeed, just as the other Nordic countries, a welfare state. Yes. But we're also a fully open uh, economy and participating in global trade. And, and, and we need to participate effectively in global trade to create 
uh, just enhance living standards in Iceland. I mean, that's that's a necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in my view, the welfare emphasis that everyone enjoys basic rights, uh, minimum living standards is fundamental also when we look at, as I mentioned, how we rank in those various indexes right. uh, and where we are outperforming other countries. Uh, and these these parameters, business, welfare or society, they go hand in hand. I mean, these are business and society are an inseparable uh, uh, factors. So mm-hmm. I think they collectively contribute to each other. Uh, so I think it's, it's not a, uh, a question either or uh, I think we can definitely make this work. And I think looking at the Nordics, looking at how we compare with other countries, I think we're doing fairly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, as you mentioned, I mean, operating a welfare state yeah. requires funds. And funds is are essentially attracted through taxes. So Iceland can be in some ways be regarded as a high tax country. But I think Looking at the business perspective, that's definitely not the case. So we have, for example, a low corporate income tax, a flat rate of 20% for limited liability companies, a bit lower than in the US, for example. Wow. Uh, and, and treatment of dividends received and paid is fairly favorable. Uh, and so, um, for example, companies in the European Union, which own companies in Iceland, the effective tax rate of dividends paid to them are effectively zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Corporate taxes are definitely not high. Uh, and I think the overall presumption is that lower taxes ignite further economic growth mm-hmm. and essentially growing the pie, so to speak, mm-hmm. which are, is taxed in the end, having that a bit better. But the individual tax rate, I mean, I, I can imagine that that sounds a bit high, ranging from 35 to 46%, mm-hmm. but that's still lower than in most of the Nordic countries, mm-hmm. at least here in Iceland. Ah, okay. So maybe you could can can you say a little bit more about how Iceland uh, compares to other Nordic countries in terms of starting a business or bringing a company there? I think what makes us different in a way is is the let's say the the fundamental industries here in Iceland. Mm-hmm. So overall, as I mentioned, you have all of these welfare states, right. which are open economies trying to participate fully in the the, the global trade, attracting investment. But we have certain fundamentals, certain aspects. In those uh, areas, these industries being being energy on the one hand, being fisheries mm-hmm. uh, and being the international sector, where we can definitely uh, offer something else than the other Nordic countries. Mm-hmm. I don't want to compete with my Nordic fellows, but of course I think definitely, uh, <laughs> that's one aspect. And I think looking mm-hmm. also at the tax environment, we we have a, a slightly better um, tax environment structure it's simple it's transparent and fairly low rates uh, mm-hmm. compared to the, some of the other countries so how does the Icelandic tax environment support actual business creation the creation of brand new companies let's say they perhaps not something that's that's super R&D intensive are there in- incentives in place for s- something like that I think uh, yes uh, I mean looking at the incentive environment in Iceland if we, if we uh, look uh, don't look at the R&D tax credit scheme per se uh, there are various grants here in Iceland so funds offering grants to startups in in various uh, sectors mm-hmm. not only focused on high tech uh, we also have uh, a, a support system which is newly formed from the government basically pushing more funds into these funds from the government so hopefully enhancing the grants which are payable. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and then we have the Technology Fund here in Iceland, the Technology Development Fund, uh, which supports uh, marketing overseas, uh, patenting of products, and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. I think that coupled with a fairly competitive tax system overall, and obviously if you don't make any money, uh, you don't pay any taxes, and then if you, if you add to that the tax R&D tax credits, mm-hmm. I think we can definitely say that Iceland is fully supportive of startups going, yeah, and hopefully being scale-ups. Excellent. And can I ask just a follow-up question about the Technology Development Fund in Iceland? Is that available to foreign funds that open a subsidiary in Iceland? How big is it? Uh, what, what's that all about? I, I think the, the, the objective is obviously to build something up in Iceland. Right. So when foreign uh, investors, foreign companies want to come to Iceland, they set up a subsidiary and they, I don't know, go ahead and, and, and do some development or research or uh, any of that nature, they can indeed use the tax credit scheme. And mm-hmm. those entities should, in most cases, also be eligible looking at the grants from, for example, the Technology Development Fund. But the, the, the amounts there, the volume, is definitely much lower than looking, for example, at the, the tax credits. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's not fully comparable. So I understand that that Iceland actually has a tax incentive system in place to encourage foreign direct investment. Can you explain more about that structure? Yeah, so uh, we had that uh, we had here in Iceland what we called a framework law, which was basically intended to incentivize direct foreign investment. That law seems to be in effect in the middle of this year. But I know that the, the government is looking into options in, in, in let's say, restarting that initiative mm-hmm. and focusing uh, consistently on green innovation, so okay. sustainable innovation and technology. Uh, essentially, the framework itself offered, I would say, uh, a certain set processes on the one hand, uh, and on the other hand, additional incentives with, for example, lower corporate income tax rate, lower social security tax contributions, and so on and so forth. Uh, so overall, I think having such a scheme is definitely a clear signal that Iceland is and welcomes foreign investment, which it definitely does. And also, I mean, I think this is important in just in developing, again, our talent pool and creating long-term mm-hmm. opportunities for economic growth. Excellent. So let's let's end with uh, trade relationships. Help me understand that. So Iceland is not a member of the EU, but it is a member of the EFTA and has other bilateral trade agreements in place as well. It's a neutral country. Can you explain how trade agreements work in Iceland and what this might convey, uh, what benefits this might convey to companies that decide to locate in Iceland as opposed to, say, Sweden? Yeah, I mean, I, I, a very good question. I, and I, I fully understand that this, let's say, relationship <laughs> isn't, is, isn't clear cut. Yeah. So it's true. We're not a member of the European Union. Mm-hmm. We are a member of the European Free Trade Association, so the mm-hmm. EFTA. Mm-hmm. And with the European Union, we have an agreement on the European economic area. Mm-hmm. And that agreement is essentially a trade agreement, which uh, allows us or provides us with access to the EU's internal market. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a multilateral free trade agreement, essentially. Uh, but this agreement is, is different from many others since it also entails that we have obligations to implement certain EU legislation, mm-hmm. whether being directives or regulations. And those directives or regulations uh, are in the field of trade, for example, 
and business. So when it comes to company law, investment, securities, data privacy, uh, any of these fundamentals in order to uh, uphold business and free trade of, of goods and, and business and people, we are obligated to implement that into Icelandic legislation. Okay. So that, uh, again, affords us, let's say, the, the advantage that we can say the framework in Iceland is globalized. So okay. investors having experience from the EU or from the Nordic countries, they can definitely relate and trust in a way that we don't have particular Icelandic strange rules on everything. Yeah, uh, we okay. have to abide by this framework. Mm -hmm. Then on top of this, we have free trade agreements with uh, various other countries, either through the EFTA with, uh, I think, around 38 countries, uh, or directly, and we can name three, we have a direct trade agreement with, for example, China, mm -hmm. Faroe Islands, and Greenland. Mm -hmm. uh, so the network of agreements is quite extensive, looking at the fact that we are a fairly small nation, whether that affords us an advantage, for example, compared to Sweden, mm -hmm. I think in a way, yes, Sweden okay. must rely on the European Union's foreign policy in order to make those free trade agreements, while we at least have the ability to enter into those agreements fully on our terms, Okay. for example, with the three countries mentioned. Okay. Uh, so it, it's, it's a bit of a back and forth. Sure. Um, and a fairly complicated structure. So is it fair to say, I just want to clarify a little bit, that there is perhaps a degree of uh, jurisdictional arbitrage that is that is possible. For example, a company that, or a company that w would like to uh, access the the market in China, you could locate in Iceland and beneficially access that that market to a way that you might not be able to in Sweden. Is that fair? Up to a certain degree, yes, okay. that that is that is fair. But I mean, obviously, we have similar rules looking at just the origin of products and, sure. and so on and so forth. But yes, you you can say that that's more or less the case. More or less the case. Haraldo Ingi Birgesson, Deloitte Iceland. Thank you for speaking with me today. Thank you as well. Thanks. <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs> That's all we got for Investable Universe this week. If you liked what you heard, share the link, check out the site at investableuniverse.com or pitch us for future episodes. The address is editor at investableuniverse.com. My name is Rebecca Darst and you'll hear more from me next time.